young, the young couple had come in riding a donkey. Uh, probably all that they owned was on that donkey. Um, they were a younger couple, and he remembers that they knocked when they knocked that first time. Just so you know, the second and third time they knocked is just dramatic effect that they add to plays and playwrights. Uh, he remembers the first time that they knocked and, uh, and asked for a room. And even Ned could tell that that baby was about to come. But there was nothing that he could do. The inn was full. The Bible states that there was no room for them in the inn. So I don't know about you, but Ned here maybe owns a hotel. Maybe it's just his house. Uh, you know, if you look at kind of what the Bible scholars think about what they're commenting on, it might have just been his house that he was renting out. Um, but a lady shows up about to give birth to a baby um, and you're full up with paying customers. I don't know. I don't know that I would invite her in, you know? I mean, it, having a baby in your living room seems like a big ordeal when you've got people staying at your house. But I think, I, I, I tend to think that Ned did what he could. Now, it, 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 we tend to think that Ned, uh, and his name's not really Ned, just so you know. Uh, we tend to think that Ned, uh, and even it, it's, it's implied that Ned, oh, at the best, he sent him out and took them to the, the manger, uh, the, the, uh, the, the uh, feeding animal trough area, and gave them that. So I, we don't know that. We don't. We don't know. We don't even really know that, uh, that they were turned away uh, from the inn. But I like to think that some 34-ish years down the road, Ned finds himself telling this story. Telling the story uh, after uh, maybe seeing Jesus on the local you know, TV station, seeing his face pop. But the question then is, like, who covers that story, right? Is it CNN? Is it NBC? Is it? No. <laughs> Sorry. I had, to, I had to throw that little political curveball in there. But I, I imagine Ned is surrounded by people and he's in a spot where he's like, man, I was the guy. I was the guy that turned Jesus away. And his friends maybe don't even, uh, don't even believe it, but he's like, yeah, Mary and Joseph, they knocked on my door and, 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 uh, and, and I told them that there was no room and that I couldn't have them in and his friends possibly even not forgive him. You were the guy that turned away Jesus? See, I like to paint Ned in a little bit of a picture that's maybe more like mine, right? 34 or so years down the road, he becomes a Jesus follower of the way, as they called it in that time. He gave his life and lived for the cause of Christ, but we don't know that, right? But when I get to heaven, I'm going to find Ned. I'm going to sit down with him, and I'm going to share a cup of coffee it might even be Starbucks. There might be Starbucks in heaven, right? <laughs> right? I'm gonna, I wanna talk to him. I wanna actually ask him about the first time he realized that that was Mary and Joseph. And Jesus was born right there in his town. Because he for sure would know, as we know what, what, uh, what the king did with all the boys of that time. So he knows. And I'm gonna ask him about that. See, and the truth is for me, 
more so this season than any before, is I've got to really trust Jesus more and more. I find myself relying on him and, and having the ability only to control my choices. And that'd be present choices that I'm faced with right in the immediate and choices that would impact, say, 34 years down the road. And that's what Ned was faced with at that time. And I've been kind of wrestling through this and sharing this with a lot of people that you can only make decisions uh, for yourself, that you can't make somebody else's decisions for them. And you have a choice on how you're going to write your story. The choices you're going to make and how you're going to write your story. So this morning we're going to continue this series, Still True, that we're going to walk through through Christmas and even after into the new year. Uh, But today we're going to actually look at it. We're going to start to begin to look at some of these characters that are in the Christmas story. Right? We're going to look at some of the stories that are in the Bible, not like Ned. Like Ned's a made-up character that I gave a name to. But we're going to look at some stories of some characters in the Bible, and specifically during the Christmas, season, Christmas and the nativity. Right? And we're going to look at some of my story this morning. I'm going to share with you some of the things that I uh, have gotten right in the past and plenty of things that I get wrong with in the choices that I make in, in my story. But I want to start by uh, asking this question to you. This morning, something to consider as we navigate this this morning. How is your life different because of the story of Jesus' birth? How is your life different because of the story of Jesus' birth? More so than, well, I celebrate Christmas every year and I buy presents for people. But how is your life, the way you live, the choices you make, different because of the story of Jesus' birth? With that question, we're going to dive kind of into the nativity, and we're going to look at uh, a couple characters today, and then on the 23rd and 24th, we're going to look at a handful more of them, Um, uh, and, and the thought behind this heading into Christmas is that this story, the Christmas story, is greatest story ever told, one that has stood the test of time, hasn't changed, right? We've all heard the story before. We all know Mary was approached by an angel. She became pregnant. Joseph was approached by that same angel, decided to stay with Mary. And we get Ned, the innkeeper. And then Jesus is born and he's swaddled up and put in a feeding trough. Right? We, we, we've all heard that story. But, and, and not that we're going to make that different because it's not different. It's in the Bible. It's happened this way. Nothing of the details of that story has changed. But for us, what is new and different about that story this year? Because I think oftentimes we can take a story like this that we've heard. Whether you've been in church or not, you've probably heard this story. You've seen the nativity sets. But what I want us to do is to be able to look at this Christmas and find out what it means for us this year. Something different. Something new based on where you were last year. Right? We're going to look to... Uh, see how this story speaks to us today. The Christmas story with Mary and Joseph and Ned and the wise men, the shepherds, Elizabeth and Zach, King Herod. I wonder if we were to look at this story that's still very true. How would it intersect with our lives this year? The greatest story ever told. Because I want to tell you this. I want to tell you that this Christmas story is is more important to your life right now than it was in the years past. 
Because it is. We've got another year. We've got another opportunity to spend this Christmas uh, looking at this. And so we're going to start, we're going to start with the controversial wise men in the nativity. Some say they didn't show up with Jesus's birth. I think it's pretty confident to know that, that they showed up a few years later, but we're going to start with these wise men. And as we start, look at this, uh, uh, the story of Jesus's birth. Now, a uh, side note to this is, is that uh, there is a spot for everyone in the Christmas story. I love that. I love that. If I take a step back and I look at all the characters that are present, and we'll look at some of them later on in weeks to come, but you've got uh, the shepherds, which are the lowly shepherds that spend time out, and Jesus included them in the story. You got Mary and Joseph and everything that they've been through, right? Uh, And they're included in the story. You've got a baby, like a, a fully dependent baby, in the story, I think that's imagery of some things that God wants to teach us and tell us through this story. And you also have the wise men. So these are thought of to be the intellectual people, right? They studied things, more on the worldly side of things, but they're thought to be very intellectual. And so uh, kind of the opposite of me, right? So you would probably know if you think when you leave church, you're like, man, Jason was really like over my head with intellectual knowledge this week, right? No, it's not the case, right? So, but there's a spot for intellectual people in the Bible and what they're studying. And they knew the astronomy and they knew the star was coming and they were thought to be very intellectual. Even controversial, as I said. And, 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 And God and Jesus include them in this story. So, here we go. Matthew 2, um, uh, Matthew 2, 7 through 12. Let's set the stage a little bit. So, um, the King Herod uh, finds out that this new king has come because the star has arrived and, and, uh, and these uh, three wise kings show up and kind of say, well, we're here to see the new king. And that kind of mildly upsets King Herod, right? He's like, whoa, wait a second, I'm the king. Like, what do you mean new king, right? And so uh, King Herod uh, then uh, talks to these wise men and uh, he calls them into his office and, uh, and he says this to them. He says, King Herod called the, the, the Magi secretly and found out from them exa- the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As, you, uh, uh, as soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him. <laughs> right, the evil laugh. So there's a little story behind that. I've been cast as King Herod in like five Christmas plays. So I don't know what the deal is with that. Um, but, uh, but he says, I'm going to go worship this king, of uh, this new king, because I'm going to bow down and worship him. I think there's some sarcasm there. Right, And then it says, after they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star uh, they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. And so now think about this, okay? Uh, What did the wise men have to gain? Really kind of nothing, right? 
they, they had set out because they had seen this star and, um, and they had heard. And now that they had actually went and saw baby Jesus was born. Uh, and, and, and here's the deal. They confirmed Jesus was born. And what do you think would have happened if they went back to Herod with that knowledge, right? Not like what would happen, because we already know what happened when Herod found out. But what do you think would happen to them? Right? They, they would have been elevated in stature. They were kind of their own little race of like astrology people. And I bet you they would have been highly more recognized. They probably would have been monetarily rewarded for their work that King Herod had asked them to do. Right? So all this stuff would happen. But listen to what happened. They were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with, uh, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him. And they opened their treasures and presented them with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So they had come prepared to present whatever to the king. Um, and, and they did that. They worshiped this baby that was born, having the knowledge of what it meant. And then, having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country another route. So despite what they could have gotten if they went back to Herod with that knowledge, they decided not to. Now, you can read into this. They were warned in a dream. God, God can work in dreams. I believe it. Um, but here's what I thought. This is what crossed my mind recently. So we have our four-year-old uh, little foster daughter that's staying with us. And uh, we've been really working with her to uh, let us know when her uh, little brother crawls up on the top bunk. Right? Because it's dangerous. He's two years old. He gets up there and he can't get down. And so he'll do it in the middle of the night. He'll do it uh, in the morning at like 4 or at 3.30 or at 2.30, right? And so for weeks, for weeks, I've been like, Charlotte, tell me when he's on the top bunk. Like, let me know. And for whatever reason, she, nothing. She won't tell us. So maybe she's protecting her brother. Uh, but like I've told her a lot and uh, pretty sternly, okay? So... One thing I love doing is I, we have a baby monitor in there, and we turn the baby monitor on, and Charlotte talks in her sleep. And she, I think she's dreaming of things. In her sleep now, she's saying, Dad, Josiah top bunk. She's dead asleep. I'll come in there. Josiah's asleep on the bottom bunk. She's asleep on the top bunk, and she's dreaming about telling me that Josiah's on the top bunk. It's consumed her thoughts, Right? What if that's these wise men, that Jesus so impacted them that they were dreaming of what they needed to do and how they needed to respond? I know when I'm faced with tough stuff and, or I have great things going on in my life, like my sleep is restful and I know when I'm, sleep, when, I'm, when I'm dreaming about. And it's great. It impacts me. So maybe that's this dream. But they were warned and they didn't go back to King Herod. They chose a different route. And so to relate with the kids this morning a little bit what we talked to them, what different route do you maybe need to take in your life? What different route do you maybe need to take this Christmas season in focusing on this story that you've heard 20 times, 30 times, five times? What different route do you need to take? For me, a lot of you know my story uh, if you don't, uh, I, uh, I grew up, 
Uh, growing up as a kid, I was kind of a floater, so I didn't have a lot of passion or drive in my life to do much of anything uh, other than like sports a little bit, but even that, I was like, I'm done when it got hard. Um, it, but what I knew I didn't want to do is I knew I didn't want to be like my brother. My brother was a 4.0 uh, shortstop quarterback point guard, right? And, uh, and, and a lot of people actually wanted me to be like my brother because it'd make the sports team a lot better. Um, at best, at best, I was a right fielder that I got DH'd for. And that's a true story. Uh, I played right field and got DH'd for in the district tournament. Um, but I was bent on making sure that everybody knew that I wasn't going like, to be like my brother. So much so, middle school, I shared it before, so sorry if you heard again. Middle school, I did really well. Got like straight A's. Mass student of the year one year. Uh, but my freshman year in high school, I got a 1.37 GPA. So that's, if you don't know, that's like a solid D. Um, like, that's like a solid D. I mean, in some classes, and I got an A in weight training, so like some of my classes were like D minus. Um, and I worked really hard all the way through high school, and when I graduated, I had a 2.9 GPA. So that's like a strong C, right? Uh, and so, but I, I, uh, I but then... I went on to community college, right? So I graduated high school at 18. I went on to community college, and I got a 4.0. And then I went on to finish my degree uh, in, in leadership and biblical studies, and I got another 4.0 GPA. So uh, take a guess at when I accepted Christ. 18. You're right, 18 years old. Now, here's the deal with that. I want you to know that. God did not make me smarter, right? I didn't like pray to God, God make me smarter. He snapped his finger and I got smarter, right? Like that isn't how uh, God works. But what I did do is I made a choice, a decision uh, at that time uh, that was for God's story to start to begin to be written in my life. And, uh, and it took, it took, it took, I mean, the grades are just like a small little tiny piece of a, a lot of work that God did in, uh, in my life, um, but it was the beginning of something. And I think all, a lot of the times, even with that story, you can look at it like God is the fix-all, like the duct tape, like the, um, he can fix everything if I just pray for it and allow it to happen, he's gonna just come in and fix it. And that's not the case, right? That is not how God is uh, depicted in the Bible. That's not how uh, our relationship with him goes or works, um, but it was that uh, those grades in my life change was the start of a larger story that God was going to begin to tell with my life, okay? Uh, right? I went from 1.39 to a 4.0, and, and my sixth grade teacher actually said, well, he's on drugs. He told my parents that I was on drugs. And then when I started getting a 4.0, everybody was like, well, that's Jesus. Like, there's no way that would happen separate from that. And so uh, that, that is that little bit of story. Now, a lot of you also know that recently uh, I made the decision to lose weight, right? So 41 pounds in six months, pretty substantial thing. Those are, those are the two things that I was successful for in my life. So thank you for clapping for that. Um, a new endeavor I've, I, that I've taken on in my life was I started using this app called Asana, okay? Raise your hand if you know what Asana is. Sweet, nobody does. Nobody's gonna hold me accountable. Asana is an app that helps you uh, prioritize things in your life and it creates a to-do list, 
right? And you can share this list with people. I haven't shared it with Heather yet because uh, I don't need that kind of accountability in my life. Um, but you put on this list all the things that you need to get done. And I'll tell you why, and I'm, and I'm still working on it. Uh, I, got, I got beat up a few weeks ago for lack of follow-through, lack of commitment, lack of, not by Heather, uh, lack of a lot of things, and it finally got to the point where it's like, you know what, I'm misrepresenting God in what I'm doing and the choices that I'm making in my life. Things are falling off my plate and I'm letting things just slip down to like email number 40 and then it's like gone and I just don't even think about it anymore. So this is a tool, uh, but, but the bigger story of that is that I'm trying to make a decision desperately to kind of organize my life and, 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 and present myself in a better way of how God would want me to do it. Because the story that I was telling of who God is was poor in that situation. Now, what's the caution for us is that even in those two things that I've been successful with in life is that we begin to take credit or we begin to look at how I'm going to gain and I'm going to benefit from these decisions that uh, that are being made. And so uh, for me... Uh, a lot of the decisions that I've made that have had great impact on my life have not been for my gain. Now, a lot of them actually have been that way too, that I've made some decisions, not as successful in those decisions when I'm making them for myself. Um, Taking credit or even disowning God, disowning who God is and what he wants to be in your life would be the decision that I continue to not follow through, not commit to things and not follow, follow up with people and things like that. So, um, and and, and appearance to people for me, and now we're going to get a little real here, um, and it shouldn't be new to you because you probably heard me say this over and over, uh, but I've been in this season now for a little while where I feel God, he's kind of working in me uh, to change some things. And I said it a few weeks ago, and it's worth repeating, uh, I do not, nor does our family want it to appear that we've got it all put together because we don't. We've got plenty of stuff uh, in our lives that we're working through, that we're trying to, you know, grow in and understand. And so we do not have it all uh, put together. And, and I think the caution for us is, as, as, uh, especially around the holiday season, is that we want to appear, and I could say not maybe we, I mean, I can own it up, that I want to appear um, good to everybody. I want you guys to think that I have it all put together. I want you guys to think that everything is great about me. I want you, and this kind of hurts, I want to please you. I want to please man. Like that is not a very healthy spot to be in, okay? But I say that in that I recognize that God is, is working in me. What we need to do is be pleasing to God with our decisions and, and, and the way we appear to people is because we're writing God's story. Now, the, the flip side of that, to, to please people or to be recognized, to have influence on people is closely with that idea of, of, of having a relationship and, and, and being 
a servant. Those things are kind of wrapped into some of this stuff that I'm struggling with. So there's actually kind of a line to walk there. Like, am I worried about what you think to the fact that it changes how I uh, operate with God? Or am I using it as part of God's story? See, oftentimes, if you come to our house on uh, Monday, uh, it, our house is very clean because we have small group on Monday night, right? We scurry around and we clean everything up and we make everything look great. Now, if you come on say Tuesday evening, that's a little rough. Heather's headed off to uh, women's Bible study. I'm home alone with the kids. You know, like it's like a bomb went off sometimes, right? So, uh, but, but what, what I think that some, where some of that struggle comes in, and maybe you can relate to this, live in the Pinterest life, right? That everything is like all set up perfect. Like I bought this sign. Uh, here's the sign I bought, right? May these walls no joy. May each room hold laughter, and may every window open to great possibilities, right? And that's hung on our wall, and it's like, on my best day, I want to appear like I'm Chip and Joanna Gaines, you know, like, got it all figured out, and everything's going to be great, and our life is just perfect, right? And I got nice signs, nice uh, wood, white signs, and clean lines, right? No? Sorry, I know too much about that, right? So... Um, we do that, and we, we uh, and, and, I, and so what happened to me over these last two weeks as I've been kind of working through this is I've been trying to run down why I feel the way I feel. Why uh, man's opinion means so much to me. And I haven't been able to track it down yet, right? I grew up in a house that uh, wasn't messy, but my mom didn't really clean that much. Like she did all of our laundry, which is amazing because then I had, to, I had to learn how to do that later. But I mean, our clothes made it back to our cabinets and they were folded from our floor to the cabinet. And it was like amazing. Like I had a great mom. But I grew up eating Salisbury steak dinners on a TV tray in front of the TV. Like, I mean, so like, I mean, it's a different lifestyle, right? My parents didn't really care that much what people thought about them. So for me, now I'm faced with this thing, like, why? Why am I struggling with this? I'm trying to chase it down uh, and and figure out. Now, we're uh, going to talk about this more in the coming weeks, but this is a story that I'm holding on to. Like, I've been holding on to it, and and I've been writing this story in my life. And, uh, and, And for you guys, as I share this with you, uh, you guys should know that in two, three years down the road, I shouldn't still be telling this story, right? I should have gained, God should have gained some ground in my life to change that story that I'm, that I'm telling, right? And so if two or three years from now down the road, I'm up here preaching this same thing that I'm struggling with what you think about me and it directly impacts me. Now, I might not totally figure it out. That's a big one to figure out. We've got you probably got other things uh, that, that come to mind for you that God's working on with you as well. Some of those things are quite big. And God wants to work through some of those things, but he wants to gain ground and be involved and start writing your story in a different way, in a new way. And the Christmas season is just part of that. Because I don't want to write my own story. I want to write God's story. So often what happens, uh, God... God does this quite often, like almost every week, 
is we gather together on Thursday mornings at 6 a.m. as guys, and we talk over a scripture. Josh and I never talk about what he's going to bring to the table and what we're going to talk about, but uh, this week, like many of the other weeks, Josh brought a scripture to the table, and I thought, well, that'll make the, uh, the bulletin on Sunday morning. And so uh, 1 Corinthians 3, uh, 3 through 11 says this, and, and, and they're kind of like discussing like the level of spirituality and how much God is involved in their lives, uh, and Paul's writing this. He says, uh, you are still worldly. For since uh, there is jealousy and quarreling among you, among you, you are, not, uh, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For one says, I follow Paul. Another says, I follow Apollos. Are you not mere humans? After all, is Apollo, or what, is, uh, what after all is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. As, a, as the Lord has assigned uh, to each his task. I planted the seed and Apollos watered it and God has been making it grow. God is the author of the story. God is the one who is in control. He is the author uh, and, uh, and I know uh, firsthand uh, some of, of, of how he works in those situations when we allow him to, uh, to uh, write the story. Now, some of you um, hearing that idea that God is in control, and because this is what I've also been working through in my life, God is in control, and he's the author, and he's the creator of everything, and some of you where you sit are going through something very hard, super hard, and you ask yourself, well, where's God in this? Where is God in the death? Where is God in the destruction? Where is God in the hurt? Where is God in the pain? Where is God when it seems like he's not around at all. And for me, I know uh, unanimously when I tr- can trust God more, is when I trust him more is when he shows up, even in the toughest of times in our life. And I have found that to be unanimously true as I, had, I've, as I have offered things up to him, he has taken them and he's worked through them. Verse seven says, So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose. They will each be rewarded according to their own labor. One purpose for our lives is to make him known, for his story to be written and not our own. Verse 9. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace of God, he has given me. Uh, I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Christ Jesus. God at the foundation of who we are wants to be the centralized focus of our story. And then we build on that story, but we don't build uh, our own story. We're building God's story. Right? And, and I don't know, 30 years down the road, what my story is gonna look like. As you probably don't know what 30 years down the road, what five years even down the road is gonna look like for you. 
right? Ned didn't know in the end what implications would come from turning them away at the end and, or but then giving them the manger and Jesus being born, right? We don't know all and how it's going to end up. But our question is, and our question, my question for you is, are you building a story or are you building his story? Right, this Christmas, I would love to have the focus for me, at least, and maybe for you it's the same, that we would write a story of God, that we wouldn't write a story of uh, presence in tinsel. Somebody used that word, too, the other day. I was looking for tinsel. I, I think it was, yeah. So uh, tinsel, like, you know, but it isn't about that. It's about how are we going to write God's story this Christmas? What's going to be different? What decisions can you make, maybe even today, that will impact the next, I don't know, what do we got? 20, less than 20 days, right? Whew, 16 days. What decision can you make that will help you to write his story and not your own story this Christmas? I want to close, you, uh, close with you and challenge you this. Uh, back in the back, at the back table and back on your way out are some Christmas Eve invites, Right? One way for us to begin to write God's story is to share that story with people. And so this Christmas, I encourage you, take an invite. Invite somebody to come in and hear the greatest story ever told. Who knows what that will do for them, right? It might be a a seed that is planted, right? Or it might be some watering to a seed that was planted years ago. And God just might bring that growth to fruition for us, right? I'm going to invite the band to come forward as I close in prayer um, for this Christmas. Let's pray.